episode of Spawned is brought to you by Bitsbox, an engaging monthly subscription for kids that helps teach them to code in a super fun way. Visit bitsbox.com slash coolmom and save 20% on any Bitsbox subscription with code coolmom. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner. We're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawned, we are going to be answering your burning holiday questions. And holy something G-rated, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of burning holiday questions out there. We polled our listeners and our fans and our friends on social media. We have a lot of great questions from you all that we are going to answer today. Yes, clearly people trust us a lot or they just want to hear us (laughs) try to answer these questions. I don't know what it is, but it's everything from like food to relatives to more food. I mean, a lot of gift questions, how to handle gifting or traditions or blended families. This is good. I think it's gonna be a really fun episode. All right. So let's just dive right in because we've got a lot of questions to cover. Great. So let's start with Maura. She asked us, how do you get over the I have to be Martha Stewart syndrome? Self-imposed pressure to create the perfect holiday at home. Oh, come to my house. (laughs) I have never felt that I have to be Martha Stewart. So (laughs) maybe I should give this one to you. Uh, Yeah. No, I had don't have it either. Maura, you just need to come to New York and then drive down a little bit to Philly and we can knock that right out of you. Don't look at the dishes in my sink. You'll be like, hey, I'm doing pretty well. Exactly. <laughs> no, I agree. I think there's like a lot of pressure to create this perfect holiday. I think that's totally overrated. I mean, we're going to talk about this a lot today, I think. But my feeling is that the holidays should not be about perfection. They should be about experiences and memories. If your tree doesn't get up in time or you don't have the most perfect lighting set up on your front yard, or, you know, your cake gets burnt or whatever happens. Like, sometimes those are the things that make the memories. And I think we put way too much pressure on ourselves to, like, have everything Instagram ready in life in general, but especially during the holidays. Yeah, I mean, kids don't remember that you spent two hours making some wreath that you're hanging on the outside of your front door. They really don't. And if they do, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What's wrong with those kids? As we've said before, kids remember the donut, not the hole. So I think just keep it in perspective do your best and you're not Martha Stewart. Only Martha Stewart is Martha Stewart. I don't know about you, Liz. I'm sure you guys do this too, but we have like the few things that we do and I have just limited it over the years. We have these stuffed reindeer that my kids put out. We have nutcrackers that we put up and we have a red tablecloth. And other than that, we just put up a tree and that's all I do. And I feel like if I can get those things done every year, my kids look forward to it. They don't ask me, you know, where are the lights outside or why aren't we doing this? They're they're pretty happy. So basically lower expectations. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Overall, I think not just for the holidays. I think cool. overall. So listen, let's move on to some Santa questions. Oh, these are big every boy. year. I know. So Paul would like to know, what do you do when kids are old enough to question Santa? <sighs> This is terrible. I know. We (laughs) talked about this last year, and actually, I'm dealing with this now. Are you? Here's what I did with my kids, because my boyfriend's kids are going to be with us. We're all together this year, which I love. And the seven-year-old is definitely team Santa. But I wasn't sure about the nine-year-old. So I called my kids in and I said, hey guys, what do you know about Santa? (laughs) And I thought I would like let them lead. And they look at each other and they give each other the smirks. So clearly the 11-year-old, she's out, but she wants the gifts. So she wants to make sure she says the right thing. The nine-year-old, you know, I said to her, well, what do you think? She goes, well, I think it's real. I don't know. And you know what? We talked about magic. I said, you know, Santa is all about magic. And when you get old enough, you get to be the keeper of the secret and you get to be the keeper of the magic and help make it magical for the younger kids. And then I read them, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And she basically said, oh, so Santa is real. And I feel like, okay, if that answered it the way she needed it to be answered, that worked well for me. <laughs> Dude, you copped out, man. You No, it was good out. because, hey, it led to like this awesome Socratic discussion about, you know, what does it mean to have the spirit of Christmas? I love it. But for the older one, I really did talk to her about you're now the keeper of the secret. I read this once years ago, and it's such a good idea that, 
you say to them, now that you know, you can feel special. You guys should join the adults in keeping the secret and the magic going for other kids who are younger than you. And they like that. And that way they don't feel disappointed or let down. They feel like, ooh, now I'm in on something and I have this great responsibility. So that's worked well for me. I think that's great. I don't know what's happening in my house. I'll be honest with you because my oldest clearly does know that there's not a Santa. She's what do you mean 12. there's not a Santa? And then the middle Wait, two kids. Are you I breaking can't... news here? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hopefully my children aren't listening to my podcast. No, I honestly don't know because I thought that last year I had a discussion with my middle two children who are nine and eight because they asked me whether Santa was real and my very deeply researched technique is, well, what do you think? <laughs> well, that's what I did. So I get it. I get that, it. Well, I mean, she said yes. And then I just kind of said, all right, well, let's go with that, <laughs> which I guess is also a cop out. The problem is that I have this six-year-old. And so I want to be able to keep the magic alive But at the same time, it's really hard when you have other kids in the house who do know. So I do like your answer. I think I'm going to have to try to, like, infuse that whole, like, you're like the adults. You're a big kid. It's also hard when other kids in the classroom talk and they all have different ideas. Because Sage said to me, a boy in her class said, I know Santa isn't real because I saw my mom wrapping gifts. And I said, oh, well, what did you say? She goes, well, duh, your mom gives you some of them. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. So that leads us to another question from Amy Kay, who wants to know, what happens when your kids say things like, well, the teacher at school says Santa won't come if we're bad, and Santa doesn't come to our house because we're Jewish, so are we bad? Um, Holy. Isn't that what the elf <laughs> reports back for? That's why you have the elf. I hate that elf. Santa's too busy for that crap. <laughs> well, I don't think teachers at school should be telling kids that they should behave or Santa won't come, personally. Well, I get their desperation. <laughs> I know teachers at this time of year are very desperate. It's a long, long haul between the grading periods and all that kind of stuff, so I get it. But how it. would you respond to that? Like, Like, if a kid says, well, I hear that Santa doesn't come if we're bad, and since he doesn't come to our house, are we bad? How do you answer that? I think if you're Jewish, Santa is a tradition for kids who are Christian, and there is no Santa. (laughs) It's like being an atheist talking about God. I don't know how else. God, that's a hard one. I know. I would just be like, I guess we're bad. (laughs) We are sucky human beings. Sorry, Amy. We're not helpful on that question. So we have a lot of questions about gifts. I mean, look, we have a holiday gift guide filled with 350 gift ideas on Cool Mom Picks alone. Plus Cool Mom Eats. We have food gifts. We have tech gifts on Cool Mom Tech. So we're not going to get too much into specific gifts, but a lot of people have some really good general etiquette questions. Yeah. So we had a few questions from Michelle and Kristen W. and Sunny. They all asked a very similar question, and that was really about over-gifting. So how do you deal with the over-gifting epidemic? How do you teach about charity? What do you do with ungrateful young children who were like, what's next? What else did I get? Why didn't I get what I wanted? So what do you say, Liz? How do you deal with this? Because I know I've dealt with it. It makes me crazy. It probably makes you a little crazy too. I mean, one thing you can do is establish boundaries from the beginning about what gifts will look like and manage expectations. And I've always loved this idea from our friend Gabby Blair, who writes the blog Design Mom. She has many children in her family. And so they came up with this idea that each kid gets three things, something to read, something to wear, something to play with. And I think that's Lovely. Like that's awesome. It's a great way to limit it. I had grandparents, they want to go crazy, right? They just want to go nuts. It was their big holiday and they want to buy all the presents. I couldn't just tell them to buy one thing. Mm. So I would say, mm-hmm. if you could, please, this would be amazing. Make it sound really nice. Get them something to read, something to wear, and something to play with. And it actually worked well. If you're not just going to do it for your own family, but, you know, if you want to pass it along to grandparents who are very generous, but, you know, kind of go overboard. Similarly, we've said, look, you can always get our kids crafting supplies because you can never have too many of those. And we go through them. That's always good. But I really I ask for donations to my kids 529 fund so that they can go to college (laughs) one day when it's 800 million a year. And then I say, if you want something small to you, get them a chocolate Santa or something. And so that's that's one way to do it. Another thing is experience gifts. Like my mom wants us all to go to Florida together for a few days over the winter break. And so that's going to be the gift for everybody. So they're not expecting stuff because they know they're going to get to go to Florida in February. Here's the problem that I think a lot of people run into is that it's not necessarily you. It's all the people around you that you're dealing with so many gifts from everybody else. I love the idea of donating to a 529, but a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't want to donate to a charity. They want to see the look on the kid's face. They want to see the kid open 
the gift and be really excited. Like they're kind of getting off on that whole thing. Yeah. That's really the challenge is trying to find something that they can open. That's a really good point. Like there was a point when our kids were younger and they were the first grandkids and my kids were getting so many gifts. It was ridiculous. And they were too little. Like they're overwhelmed by gift too. And they just want to play with the damn box anyway. Yeah. And the <laughs> ribbon and the wrapping paper. So we agreed that we would not give them as many gifts because they would get them from, you know, all the different grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins. And so we actually just only gave them like one or two things. We kind of compensated for the fact that everybody else was overcompensating. So that's one way to do it too. I think that's a great way. Honestly, I mean, it avoids a lot of awkward conversations. And hey, like it takes the burden off you financially, by the way. So why not? It might be annoying for us as parents because I know like I used to be annoyed because this is what we do for a living, right, Liz? We find gifts. So for me to pick a gift for my child and give it to them and see them open it, that was a big thing for me. But I think learning to get over that in a way and just seeing their happiness overall from getting gifts from everybody else is awesome. Yeah. Now, what do you think about charity? Because I really feel strongly about that. This is something actually we do every year. I mean, we've talked a lot about gifts that give back or, you know, volunteering as a family as ways to get kids involved. And we have a tradition every year that each of my kids pick out a charity gift. So we've done the World Wildlife Federation where they each pick an animal that they want to support and they like it because they got like a little stuffed animal and a certificate to go with it. But then we read up on that animal and why they're endangered and why it's important. Or I give them a gift card to donors choose now that they're old enough and they spend time going through all these different classrooms. It's very impactful to see my kids go, mom, this whole classroom doesn't have pencils or these kids, all they need is three pairs of headphones. They can't even afford headphones in the classroom. And I think it really helps bring to light how fortunate we are in a lot of ways and how much we have to be grateful for and what we can do for other people. When your kids are old enough to let them start getting involved with picking out things for charities and reading about them, I think that helps them internalize it more than just like making a gift in their name. I completely agree with you. And look, to that point, teaching them those things can then help when you're feeling like your kids are ungrateful and they're opening up all these gifts and they just keep wanting to go to the next one and the next one. For my kids, it drives me insane. Mm -hmm. But I think part of the excitement is all the opening. So if you can also just let your kids get through that. That's a great point. Like, let them just open everything. Let them get through it. I mean, they're all like sleep deprived. They all wake up at three in the morning. They're all (laughs) crazed animals. They're all going to crash out in front of a Christmas story at two in the afternoon. Exactly. So just let them go crazy, open stuff up, but then give them a couple hours and I find my kids settle down. They go over. They're really thankful. They're excited about what they've gotten. So, you know, to me, that's one way to deal with the crazy Christmas morning. Well, we have another question. I think this is really smart from Dresden. Yeah. And this is specifically for small families who maybe aren't getting overwhelmed with lots of gifts. And those kids are aware of it. She wants to know, you know, not all kids have two parents or multiple grandparents and there's so much marketing done and so much about celebrating and giant family gatherings. So what are suggestions for the tiny tribes, as she called it? I love that question. I love it, too. And I don't really have a tiny tribe because I have four kids. But you don't have, like, dozens of cousins and grandparents. Exactly. I really don't. My brother lives far away. It's just my mom. I don't have a lot of family. So for us, you know, it's funny. I'm looking at your answer, Liz, and it's exactly what I was going to say. Like, take the opportunity to only be like two or three of you and go do stuff. Like for me to go do stuff with a large group of people is so painful. Yeah. So it's so nice. Like it's a great opportunity to go to dinner or go see the Christmas lights or honestly, if you live downtown near a city, going into the city, I mean, it's such a hassle when you go with a ton of people. So it's the perfect opportunity to enjoy all those things that are so awesome when there's only a couple of you. Theater tickets, Radio City Spectacular in New York, ice skating bowling. Like, I would just do stuff. I agree. I think that's the stuff that kids will really remember. And you really can't do those things when you have a huge family. So I think if you make your own celebrations and your own traditions and it ends up being, oh, well, we go ice skating every year on Christmas Eve, I think that's awesome. Also, don't discount the connections that you have with friends, right? Because we've talked a lot about this. Like, friends are families. And so what if you're not with your family on Christmas Eve? Maybe you go to a friend's open house and you mingle with their family. I think sometimes I get a little depressed because I'm like, oh, we should be with family. It's Christmas. I, I was with you on Christmas Eve I a few know, years ago. We I didn't know. We our kids and it was really nice. It was. 
was. It was awesome. So think about your friends and, you know, the people around you, even if it's a neighbor and you're not super friendly with them, but if they ask you over, I think taking advantage in a good way of those invitations and those connections can really make a huge difference. I like that. Plus, you know, I think about when I've taken my kids to go see the windows and they still say from like six years ago, mom, remember when we went to go see the Christmas windows by Rockefeller Center and there was the creepy Elmo who tried to hug us? (laughs) Like they could not tell you what gift they got that year, but they remember creepy Elmo in the Christmas tree. Ah, So again, kids remember the donut, not the hole. So just take advantage and do fun things together. Okay. So Mindy has an awesome question. She wants to know our thoughts on adult gift giving. So she's Ah. got brothers and sisters-in-law, friends, coworkers. It starts to feel like you're checking off a box and yes, it does get really expensive and she'd rather just have a good time with them. So what do you say, Liz? What's your advice about this? So now that I have a bigger brood, especially because my boyfriend is one of six siblings and oh my gosh, I can't even, I still am trying to get all the nephews and cousins names down. Oh, I can't even imagine. (laughs) That's got to be crazy. So here's a few different things. One, when we had kids, my brother and I, we all had kids at the same time. We made a deal that from now on, we would only do gifts for the kids and we wouldn't do gifts for each other. We just like made it a point and then that was it and we stuck to it. And mm-hmm. it just took all the pressure off. You wouldn't feel guilty that someone would show up with a gift for you and you didn't have one for them. So anyway, we just set that right off the back. So one, just have an honest conversation if you want to get rid of adult gifts. The other thing you can do, like we talked before, is do a whole family experience. So get everybody to go do something together, whether it's a dinner out or, you know, a day at the park or bowling. Go tubing, go sledding, go see the nutcracker. Make that the gift. Or if you have a big family, like what my boyfriend does with his family is kind of a variation on Secret Santa where each family or couple picks one other and you're assigned to one person. So everybody gives one gift and gets one gift. If you can get somebody organized enough to get that together, it really saves a lot of guilt and stress. You can still send everybody else Christmas cards, but then that way you're not going crazy with all the gifts. And then the last thing you can do, and I know this still takes time and energy, but you can also make stuff. Maybe you whip up like your famous Christmas cookies. Your peppermint bark. And send everybody a little (laughs) tin of them. So everybody gets the same thing and it's thoughtful and it takes time, but it takes the stress off of getting each person something separate. I don't know. I think if you're in a really big family and you still want to do gifting, I really like John's idea that everybody picks one person and gets picked by one person and that's it. Yeah, it's too much. Like she said, then you've got people that are giving like $50 or $75 gifts and then you're giving a $20 gift and you start to feel bad. I think you just got to grab the reins, Mindy. And, <laughs> you can do it, you know, Mindy. make a plan. I mean, I do a secret Santa just with my own kids and me because it's too much. Because then what? So each kid has to give every other kid a gift. It gets out of oh, control. Oh, that's good because you have four kids. So yeah, we do it right there. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Speaking of gifts for people who are hard to shop for, Michelle wants to know about teacher gifts, which is like the number one question we probably get around this time every single year from cool mom picks readers. So she was told by a teacher that cash is what she preferred. And she wants to know, is that true? Is it tacky? Is it the right thing to do? What do you have to say to that? Uh, I, I don't like giving cash to teachers. I don't know. It seems weird. Like I'll Thanks give... for taking care of my kid. Here's your tip. Yeah, it just <laughs> seems kind of odd. Also, there are so many other things that I think are useful and thoughtful that could be given that would be just as appreciated and wouldn't feel as weird as sticking like a... And how much do you give them? I mean, they're with your kids for so many hours a day, like really a $20 bill? Like, what does that say? Well, often, I mean, there's a class mom that kind of collects for a class gift. I don't know. I know that you have to spend like five bucks or something to get a cash credit card, but I'd sooner spend that $5. And if you're giving a teacher a collective gift from the class, give them like an Amex gift card or something. That at least feels giftier than cash. Well, and we did a whole post where we actually asked teachers themselves to tell us what they wanted. And I don't think cash ever came up, to be honest with you. No, Um, no. They did say gift cards, even if they were small, like $5 to Starbucks made them really happy. Yeah, it's a cup of fancy coffee. The one thing, though, that I do remember and I make my children do Mm -hmm. is the thoughtful note. They love getting a handwritten note from the child. That was like the number one thing that we saw time and time again. And I love the idea of like a little small lunch delivery, something like that, just something to make their day a little easier and brighter. I love that idea. Yeah. Plus, teachers ask for books, charitable donations. The the one thing they said they did not need is mugs. Yeah, don't they get don't any mugs. They don't need number one teacher mugs, and they don't need 
anything with apples on it. And I know that upsets <laughs> all the artists out there who make like apple mugs for teachers. We are sorry. I, and people on our Facebook page, I remember they were like really crazy and angry about it. Like, I always get mugs. <laughs> I give everyone Mitzkoots socks. Mitzkoots. <gasps> yes, yeah. I love Mitzkoots. They're in our holiday gift guide this year under our 35 gifts that give back to 35 different charities. It's a cool company. Yeah, for every pair of socks you buy, they donate a pair of socks to the homeless. And they're really nice socks. It's not like, ooh, socks. Like, they're nice. Yeah, I get the women, <laughs> the boot socks, which are awesome. Like, I figure socks are fun. You can get a little funky with them. And, like, everyone uses and appreciates them. You can get me some. You can't drink coffee or tea out of them. So I figure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> or stuff them in a desk. I guess you could. All right. So, um, but anyway, we'll link that post up on our yes. podcast page. It's the best teacher gift ideas from teachers. And they're great ideas in there. And the teachers really explain why they like what they get. So I would say cash, mm, not so much. But, like, you don't have to get them a Birkin bag either. No. <laughs> That's not really what they're looking for. All right. So Laura Kay wants to know, I can't even believe this question, but I'm like reading it. How do you deal with the re-gift that you gave someone last year and they give it back to you? Does that really <laughs> happen though, Liz? I feel like oh that cannot God. happen. It's happened to me once. No. It wasn't from the year before. It was from several years before How from a relative. I? And I was like, no. yeah, I gave this to you. No. Um, look, here's my answer. If they're like senile and they don't realize <laughs> They got it from you. Just say thank you. Right. So you need to know how old they are. Above 60, they get an excuse. If they're below 60, then what do you do? If they're like on a crazy bender, they don't remember. I don't know. Honestly, the good answer is just say thank you. (laughs) I mean, I think you don't want to create like problems. And really, the holiday is about the spirit of giving. And maybe that's all they can afford to do this year. And they're trying to re-gift. So I think the best thing is thank you. I think if it's a close relative, though, (laughs) I think it's okay. Maybe at a later point, so they're not feeling bad on Christmas. Maybe like wait till May or June and be like, hey, you know that um, gift you gave me, the one I'd given you last year? And just find a way to kind of bring it into conversation. (laughs) I want to hear you try to do this. Like, how do you segue from anything into, hey, by the way, you realize you gave me the gift back that I gave you the year before? (laughs) You idiot. I have one relative I love who gives me a lot of vintage stuff and hand-me-down things that they own from relatives, and they give it to me for Christmas. And for me, that's really special. I think that's nice, like knowing that cufflinks were my great-grandfather's or something. But there are times that I used to feel like the person was just cleaning up their junk drawer, (laughs) like giving me like broken belts and stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, dear. That doesn't happen anymore. That was a I long like time then, ago. You know, then it's just okay. At a certain point, and especially adults, like, I'm fine. I don't expect a gift. It's really lovely. And the thing is, I think as moms, I feel like our standards have dropped so low in terms of <laughs> what we're appreciative of. Like, honestly, <laughs> I still have my Christmas cards from last year I didn't send out. So, like, even if I get a Christmas card, I'm like, wow, this person has their shit together. I know, right? <laughs> Like, seriously, there is no Martha Stewart happening, I think, with so many parents out there. So just take it easy. If someone re-gifts, just give it back to them the year after, and it can be your little thing that you do. It can just become, like, a tradition. You know what? We had that. We had that tradition in my family. There was a joke when I was a kid. We spent a lot of energy on stocking stuffers, like, when I was a tween and teen. Before we called it tween. That's how old I am. Yes. Yes. <laughs> preteen. And so it became this joke that we would save all of our stocking stuffers every year and re-gift them to each other year after year. It was like the clown nose and the lip balm and like whatever crap, a ring with a plastic spider on it. And we would all just continue to recirculate it and actually became the tradition. And it was really fun. There you go. See, turning your frown upside down. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of crazy relatives. Okay. Oh, this is going to be good. John B., wants to know, how do you deal with a family member who brings the awful boyfriend or the horrible girlfriend that everyone hates? Ugh, that's just not fun. I'm letting you take this one. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Oh my God. Well, I've been the girlfriend that everyone hates. Does that you make a difference? You are not. There's no, no I totally have been though. So the thing is, are they legitimately bad? Like, do you have a good reason to not like them? You know what I mean? Right. So number one, is there a legit reason why you don't like them? Or are they just different or weird? I think sometimes we have to remember, okay, again, 
I'm just trying to first figure out if this is a really bad person. Right. Sometimes people are really scared. They're introverts. They're not very social. And so what comes off as bad can sometimes just be scared shitless. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes, though, it is like someone with a drug or a drinking problem, someone who's abusive, someone who's racist and screams horrible things. I was getting there. I was just trying to, like, give some people an out. Like, I'm I'm (laughs) giving them the benefit of the doubt. Hail to the introverts. Maybe they're just introverted and not really racist. Right. But sometimes they're (laughs) just assholes. Like sometimes you have to deal with it. The asshole comes to play. I'm just respectful. I don't have to like give them my full attention, be in conversation with them. Like I don't feel like you need to fake it, but I certainly would be cordial. And then honestly, they'll undo themselves pretty quickly. Well, I want to take that a step further because I feel like if I'm the host, I feel responsible for everybody who's in my home and especially the kids. And so if I had like a niece, for example, who brought over a boyfriend who's abusive or rude or awful, what I think I'd have to do beforehand is say, listen, you're welcome to bring him, but he can't do X, Y, and Z, or you need to make sure he doesn't drink or whatever the things are. Like I would kind of put her in charge. I think that's very responsible. situation so that she can manage it because, you know, making everyone feel welcome doesn't mean making the jerk feel welcome who makes everyone else feel unwelcome, right? Yeah. Especially if it's your home. So I think it's okay to set the ground rules and say, if you feel like he can respect that, then you guys, we would love to have you at our home. And then at least you're giving them the opportunity and maybe she'll be like screw you we're not coming and then hey problem solved I think that's great I mean I think the challenge though is when it's not your home like you know they're coming and you're coming and you're going to someone else's house oh just help with the dishes a lot just go in the kitchen and stay away from them. gin that's the answer gin (laughs) or gin the answer is gin all right so how do you deal as Corinthia is asking us with teenage remoteness so teens and tweens I'm there when we go to family gatherings, it's hard to get them engaged. So getting a kid engaged with extended yes. family when they're just feeling sullen and bershon. Yes. Look up bershon, you guys. Yes. That's a great term for like that sullen, eye-rolling teen stage. I, I just leave it alone, honestly. Like my tween, we had a big family gathering for my boyfriend's side and she just wanted to like sit and play her video games. She's like just not someone who's super social in general mm-hmm. with people that she doesn't know. And so instead of me like being the annoying mom and being like, put it away and sit there. Like, she was going to be miserable. So I was like, just go in the other room, just hang out. And you know what really helped is that all the family members were totally cool. Like they weren't, oh my God, I can't believe she's playing a video game. They weren't bothering her. And honestly, by the end of the night, all the kids had gone in there. She was playing video games with the other kids and it was perfectly fine. That's great. I think as long as they're not like sitting in the middle of a room sulking and ruining everybody else's time. Or you know what else you can do? Like get an iPhone. (laughs) Do you remember that great Apple ad where the kids seem to be like totally disengaged from the family reunion and it turned out they were actually filming it the whole time? And then at the end, they put together this beautiful video oh, of the family and that you never cry happens. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, like, you can also put them in charge of something that they would enjoy. If yeah, they're, like, think, introverted, like, I'm not kidding. Give them the I think video it's great. camera duties or let them be the photographer or help them make crafts or cook or whatever it is that they will enjoy doing, even if it's not socializing. That's such a great idea. Thanks, Apple. But, but the <laughs> other thing, too, I love that is that you honestly you don't even need to talk to anyone when you're videotaping or you're taking photos. Like, that's a total solo gig and yet is still productive. Liz, you're a genius. I love that. I'm using that. I I stole it from Apple. But yes, I am a genius. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Lauren wants to know, how do you manage food challenges? Oh, God. So you've got those that require meat, those that refuse to eat it, the celiac, the peanut allergy, the gotta have the green jello salad. Oh, Lordy. Even though no one eats it. How do you deal with those people? I think this is a question for year round and not just the holidays. But I think going back to Maura's original question about wanting to be Martha Stewart perfect, you want to make everybody happy, right? So I think the first thing you can do is kind of find the common denominator. Like, everyone eats pasta. We're just going to have pasta even though we normally traditionally have a roast. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can make concessions to make everybody happy. Because again, if you're hosting, that's kind of your goal is to make everybody feel welcome and comfortable. It's also fair to say that you are not a short order cook when you have a lot of people for the holidays. And so I say to my kids, this is what we're serving. You don't want it. Make peanut butter. I do that year round. And I think the same goes for the holidays. Like, if it's Thanksgiving at my mom's house and they don't like turkey, I'm like, 
like, fine, eat stuffing, make a sandwich. <laughs> so I just try not to make it an issue. But what do you do? Well, I think it depends on whether you're hosting it or whether you're going somewhere. You know, if you're going somewhere, I would just call ahead and say, hey, you know, so-and-so is a wheat allergy or a peanut allergy. Just wanted to give you a heads up. I mean, it's not like you're trying to be annoying. Like, these are important things. Well, especially if you're dealing with allergies. Especially if you're dealing with allergies. I mean, that's different than pickiness. Yeah, if it's a picky eater, I will honestly just bring whatever it is along with me if I was going to someone's home. I always have almonds and dried apricots and a few protein bars in my bag at all times for those very reasons. So, you know, you can always, like, sneak your kids into the bathroom and give them some almonds if they're not eating. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to bring, like, a full meal for my kids because I think it's important for them to understand, like, if we're going to someone's house, like, these are the things that are going to be there. So I'll have some stuff that they can eat that's small. But then, you know, they need to, like, figure it out and find stuff. My kids are old enough or they're able to do that. And in terms of, like, the other stuff, I think if you're the host of the party, then I feel like you need to ask other people, find out if there are any allergies, if anyone has any special requests. And when it comes to the green jello salad, just say no. Let them bring it. You, <laughs> I feel like that I say crap let is bring not it. coming in my house. <laughs> you say Sorry. no? This is New York City. Oh, man. Come on. Maybe grandma wants that green jello salad. Let her have a damn green jello salad. <laughs> she can have it at her place. That stuff's nasty. Ugh, I know, but whatever. All right, we're going to get to more of your questions after this. Speaking of gift questions, our sponsor this week, Bitsbox, happens to answer a great question for so many parents. What do I get the kid who has everything? Yes, absolutely. Bitsbox is a subscription box that kids get in the mail, and it actually teaches them how to code. And oh my gosh, Liz, the deluxe box, have you seen everything that's inside it? It's awesome. It's amazing. We just did a post on it on Cool Mom Picks, and I love seeing your son's Obama burps. That he made from the Bitsbox coding cards. Yeah, I mean, in particular, the deluxe Bitsbox is great for the holidays. Kids open it up, and it's got the super cards, which kids will use to write their own apps. It's got activities and stickers and tattoos. It's really gifty. And guess what? Kids are actually learning Java. They can make their own apps with the Bitsbox. And hey, we love giving educational gifts that kids love too. Yeah, and you can save 20% off of any Bitsbox subscription if you go to bitsbox.com com slash cool mom and use the promo code cool mom. Okay, so Kristen J, she wants to know, Kristen, how much fudge is too much fudge? That's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're like me and you're lactose intolerant, any fudge is too much fudge. There but, is no such you know. thing, especially like peanut butter and chocolate fudge. No such thing. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how do you handle guests who bring pets knowing that other people have allergies? That's from Christy M. Uh, That's terrible. I've dealt with that before. It's awful. Why would you bring your pet? I would never, ever. I mean, I don't even bring my children without asking. <laughs> That's kind of what I said to her. Right? I said, well, it's the same as somebody who would show up with a guest without asking. First of all, it's just totally rude. But I think there are a lot of people for whom their pets are like, you know, they're part of the family. They don't even think about asking or going somewhere without them. Or maybe they tend to bring their pet everywhere and they're not used to going but to your house. I don't house. even know how that's possible. I mean, I know you can put them in a bag and carry them around the I store. I have been in this situation, so I know it happens. <laughs> I, you know, look, I, I think you have to do your best to accommodate the person, right? If they show up at your door on Christmas Day with like their big shedding cat <laughs> and you have allergies, then you have to put the cat in the basement in a closet somewhere. Or if they're close enough, you say, I'm so sorry, you have to bring the cat home and come back. I mean, if we're talking about someone's health or wellness, you can't be polite at the expense of someone ending up in the hospital. Yeah, you can't. Or even just like not having a good time because someone decided to bring their cat. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you have to say like no pets allowed on your invitation? Like that's sad, but maybe you do. I don't know. It's like saying don't bring six guests without asking. Like, why would you even think to tell people something that they shouldn't be doing anyway? I don't know. Listen, that aside, if it's more like just inconvenient or unexpected, I think the best thing you can do is smile and be like, no problem. And just be a gracious host and find some way to put the dog somewhere out of the way that won't interfere with stuff. But yeah, that sucks. I might have a talk with that person later, politely. But I think at the time, really, your goal is to not make anyone feel uncomfortable or unwelcome, even if they made themselves feel uncomfortable and unwelcome by bringing their damn dog. Yeah, you can bitch about them later on your podcast. <laughs> 
Um, all right. So Michelle B wants to know how you deal with all the parties you're not invited to, given the rise FOMO. of things on Facebook and Instagram and all the FOMO, which is actually not fear of missing out. It's like literally missing out. You're often getting slapped in the face with images of parties that include every neighbor, but somehow you aren't invited, especially when it affects the kids. That's a bummer. Oh. That's brutal. Yeah, that is I mean, brutal. I, but it like, happens. I it ha- it's happened I, to me a I lot. I tend not to like going to a lot of parties, so <laughs> I'm okay with it. Well, you don't get invited to parties? No, no, I just don't keep up. I'm not in like a neighborhood association where I'm seeing that stuff on Facebook. Yeah. I wonder if it's different, too, because you're in the city. Probably. I remember like when I lived in Georgia, it was a big thing. Like people were having parties all the time, and then they would put all their photos up on Facebook, and you're friends with them on Facebook, so you're seeing them, and then you're like... Did I miss an invitation? You know, then you check your spam and you're wondering, oh, shoot, was I supposed to go and I didn't? And then you realize, oh, you weren't just invited. So how do you deal with that? I mean, if you're friends with the person where you feel like you're the only person in the whole neighborhood that wasn't invited, doesn't it make sense at some point to say to that person, listen, are we okay? Or did I do something to offend you? Or, you know, you may find out like, what? We invited you. We emailed you two times. What do you mean that was your address from six years ago? So I I might try to get to the root of the problem gently. Or maybe it's a good way to kind of see who your real friends are and (laughs) pare down the list. Totally. I mean, you just got to say something. But there's no great answer. It just sucks to feel bad and feel left out. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Block them on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of that Facebook group. Exactly. Okay, now this is an interesting gift question from Paul. He wants to know, how do you deal with someone who gives your kid a gift that you've banned or that's potentially dangerous, like a hoverboard? First of all, how is that even happening Honestly, like a hoverboard is a gigantic gift, right? So I feel like someone would have had to know. Well, the grandparents could show up and be like, surprise, we got you the hoverboard you asked for. Yeah, that's so outside of anything that would ever happen to me. So I guess it's kind of hard (laughs) to imagine. I can see grandparents doing this, maybe possibly doing this. So I'm going to go with that. Even if it's not a hoverboard, I mean, like a hoverboard, listen, with something like that, I would show my kids on Google, like, look, they're blowing up. And I'm sure grandma didn't realize that they're blowing up and hurting people. So we're just going to return it and get something also dangerous, but that won't kill you, like a skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) It will only kill you slowly. But you know what? Maybe it is something that's not like a hoverboard or a Galaxy Note. (laughs) Maybe it's like (laughs) a snowboard and you're panicked about your kids snowboarding because you've had a head injury. or You know what I mean? There are other things you might not want your kids to get for various reasons. Well, I would rather get a snowboard because it's not like they're just going to go right outside and snowboard. Like I feel like you have a lot more (laughs) leverage with that, but like a hoverboard or some weird scooter that's electric that you're scared of. Those are the bad things because then your kids want to open them up and ride them. So how do you deal with it? What would you do? I would just say, thank you so much. Well, you know, whatever. Because like, especially if they've given them to your kids, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like, no, children, this is dangerous. We must give it back. Yeah, on the spot, you say thank you so much. But later, if I really was nervous about my kids' safety for some reason, some gifts that they were given, like, remember those aqua beads like years ago that it turns out it had like the date rape drug in it or some crazy thing and kids were eating them and they were recalled it was back during all the crazy like chinese toy recalls way back when Ugh, that sounds look up awful. aqua beads it was a crazy thing i'm afraid yeah so if my kid got something like that or like some lead paint dipped necklace that i know they're going to be chewing on i'd say thank you but then i'd find a way later to talk to my kids if they were old enough about why we were going to exchange it for something else it's easier for toddlers but you know i think that lends itself to an interesting question about whether you should like exchange gifts or return them and all that sort of thing and i think it's it's fine. I mean, they gave it to you. It was the thought that counts. If it didn't work for your family or you felt it was dangerous, you're the parent. And so you yeah. can do what you want with it. You could re-gift it next year. If I gave somebody <laughs> the most beautiful, expensive pink pashmina scarf in the world and they hate pink, I would be like, return it. Get something else. Get anything else. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. There's nothing that says like you're forced into getting that gift. I mean, personally, my way of doing it would just be like to say thank you and then like on the on the sly go back and return it have you ever gotten a really awful gift that you've had to return um you know what here's the interesting thing i grew up with you just got it and like you would never ever think to like return it or exchange it that was like a sin (laughs) you would go to hell for that the eighth deadly sin returning something to nordstrom (laughs) yes it was awful it was like devastating but then i got married and my ex-husband's family like they would just be like oh yeah I don't really like that coat. It doesn't fit me. Or that's not really my style. Like they would say it as they were opening it. 
And so then I just was like, oh, well, if I don't like something, it's okay. Then I'll just return it. And no one was offended by that. No one got upset. They were just like, oh, yeah, that's not really my style. And then on the day after Christmas, they would actually go, and that's when they would do their exchanges and returns. It was like a big tradition. Oh, interesting. For me now, I'm a lot better with it just because I think it was a gateway drug for me to now be comfortable with returning and exchanging gifts that I don't like. That's hilarious. And look, here's the other thing. There are plenty of amazing, worthy charities out there that would be happy to accept your unopened, unused gifts that just don't suit you. Yeah, so long as they're not dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, sending hoverboards to the children's hospitals. (laughs) Yeah. So listen, let's move on to music. Yes. So I love this question from Kristen W. on Twitter. And she wants to know, why isn't the waitress's Christmas wrapping played as often as George Michael's Christmas? And I thought, I need to go data nerd this. <laughs> data well, because nerd. it's George <laughs> Michael. Hello. <laughs> well, she wants the waitresses to be played more because obviously that's a better song, as we all know. So listen, I went and I looked it up. And what did you find? <laughs> I found an answer. So in Entertainment Weekly, they actually had an article where they looked at Play Network, which is this company that creates playlists for 400 stores all over the country. And they compiled a list of the 20 songs consumers will hear the most this holiday season. Mm. Do you know what's the most popular? Can you guess? Um, Yeah, well, I would think that it's um, like All I Want for Christmas is You. <gasps> you know what? That's a great guess because it used to be number one. That's what my but kids love. My kids love For the first one. time, it was not. What was it? One. I'm dying to know. What took over? Number one was Wonderful Christmas Time by The Shins. Oh, Lordy. Simply Having a Wonderful Simply Christmas Time. That's a nice song. Having... Uh, that's all right. Not my favorite. Okay, well, that's number one. But here's the thing. The other Kristen will be so happy to hear that Waitresses is actually number four. Wow. Christmas wrapping is number four, most popular. And you know what? The George Michael song doesn't even make the top 20 list. So she's just at the store at the wrong time. Kristen, she's at you the need wrong to stores. reschedule your shopping trip. Exactly. However, <laughs> I looked up a list of what were the top songs in the UK and that awful George Michael last Christmas song was number two in the UK. So stay in the US. Yes, don't travel <laughs> abroad this holiday season. Stay also, here. Also, you know what's kind of cool? I looked up the best-selling Christmas singles in the US of all time, like according to Nielsen. It was just oh, no. updated this month, too. Can you guess what number one is? Oh, I can't. Um, let me yes, see. Yes, you can. I'm going to take a guess. Did. I'll just take a guess. Is it like something ridiculous, like I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus or something? No, it's your last guess. It's Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is oh, You. Oh, okay. Or is my kids sing All I Want for Christmas is juice. That's I love that. I'm going to have to start singing that. I think I might do All I Want for Christmas is boobs. <laughs> we do have a tween in the house. And you know what's cool? There's another organization, the RIAA, that looks at the best-selling holiday singles of all time in general. Ah. And I got to say, I'm really psyched to see Adam Sandler's The Hanukkah Song is number four. Oh. It went gold. Wow. So there's one for my fellow MOTs out there, the members of the tribe. We got a Hanukkah <laughs> song in the top five holiday songs of all time. Congratulations. Adam Sandler. Oh my goodness. All right. So Marinka wants to know if there is an app that blocks Christmas songs. And I think <laughs> she's so funny. I think it's really just earmuffs. If, if that's an app. Well, Marinka, you know, you can play what you want, right? Like these yes. days using Spotify, Pandora, Beats Music. You don't have to listen to the radio. I know. So I, it's funny. So many people just put the radio on and then you realize, well, if you have kids <laughs> in the car, then you can never listen to the radio because they're always like, skip forward, pick this song. Like they don't even know. <laughs> they're so used to Apple Music or Spotify that the radio is such a foreign concept. But yes, you can pick your own songs. Welcome to 2016. It is awesome Yay. here. But as far as an app that blocks them, like when you're shopping in a restaurant, no, you have to just put in earphones or like do the zen, go to someplace else in your head, move and avoid the music. <laughs> Delilah wants to know, is she allowed to lose the Grumpy Cat Christmas movie that the kids are obsessed with? <laughs> um, I think that this is a perfect opportunity to institute a personal time. So whenever that's on, you're like, I'm off duty. I'm going to go have a coffee, have some tea. And I I liked your comment. Like, by lose, do you mean sell <laughs> yeah. on eBay? <laughs> because maybe that you could use to buy them something better. Exactly. So 
Yes, I think you can be like, oh no, kids, what happened? It is gone. I can't imagine. Or you could like break it when they're not looking. It's like, you know, when your kids are little and you tell them that the ice cream store is out of ice cream. <laughs> you or that? you could do it on Christmas Eve. You could say that Santa really wanted it. He must have seen it and wanted it so badly for the North Pole. <laughs> or the other thing, realistically, without being a mean, horrible, awful parent, is you can say to the kids, okay, you get one grumpy cat watching and it's going to be while I'm in the kitchen doing something else. <laughs> so... Let them have their time with Grumpy Cat Christmas, but you don't have to be there. Maybe it's not your family tradition. Now, our editor, Kate, asked us what she can cook and freeze a week ahead of time because she's going to be out of the country for the entire week before Christmas Eve. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, Kate, Kate, she's asking us. Why are you asking us this? You know us. <laughs> cook and freeze a week ahead of time. I don't even know what that means. Do you? I see those words and I don't even know what that means. For me, it's like calling the local like gourmet <laughs> deli and being like, hey, what can you send me that I can freeze a week ahead of time? My answer is go to Cool Mom Eats. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We're going to have the answer to that and more Christmas conundrums in terms of food for the rest of the year. (laughs) Okay, so we did get a bunch of questions that kind of just circled around the topic of religion, which is always challenging, of course, at the holidays. And April had a really interesting question. It's a bit about tween behavior, but it does, you know, relate to a mixed religious family. Her family, they're both Christian and Jewish. They celebrate Mm -hmm. both holidays. But her 10-year-old has declared that she is Jewish and she refuses to participate in Christmas. I get that. April's like, this is disrespectful. They've always been equal opportunity revelers. So what should she do? Should she not give her any Christmas presents? Like, what do you do? Okay, I'm going to disagree. I don't think it's disrespectful. I think if she has decided she's Jewish, you need to respect that in your tween child. You know, we have a blended family of Jews and Christians and atheists and Reformed Mormons. And (laughs) like we run the gamut. And again, like the holidays are about kindness and togetherness and family and respectfulness and all those good values we want to promote throughout the year. So I think if your kid decides they're like Zoroastrian, then great. Look up do your get your like <laughs> who are you today see what that means <laughs> and like a I think you can do that. So I don't know that it's disrespectful if somebody doesn't feel comfortable selling Christmas. You know what? You have a gift this year, blended families. Do you know that Hanukkah starts on Christmas this year? It's perfect. Same day. Today. It's, it's awesome. perfect. So you can give Christmas gifts under the tree and then move everybody over to the menorah and give Hanukkah gifts. And then that way you're respecting everyone. And like with my mom, for example, we've always said, you know what? The holidays are when we celebrate them. Because, you know, when you have divorced parents and kids all over the country, you you don't always get to be together on the day. So we've just learned to kind of have a Christmaca celebration yep. and put it all together and just make sure we honor everybody's traditions. You know what? It ends up making it more fun. You will come out April with a new tradition that you enjoy. And maybe next year she'll be onto some other religion and you'll come up with a new tradition. Yeah. And to be honest, that whole assertion is very age appropriate for tweens and teens, you know? And so I think it's definitely about her like asserting her independence and finding her own identity. Yeah. And so I'm putting my therapist hat on. It's hard not to take it personally. And I think that goes across the board when it comes to parenting, right? It's like, it's so hard to not take the feelings and emotions and whatever they're doing personally. But I think if you can separate it out and you can acknowledge that's what you know, they're doing and they're not trying to offend you, I think you can approach it and be respectful and give her a Christmas gift. I agree. And and you know what? I think that's a perfect segue into Siobhan's question, which is that if you have religious differences in your family, she wants to know how you honor them if you're not a member. I think you just honor them, you know? Like, if you're not Jewish and you're invited to a bar mitzvah and you're supposed to wear a yarmulke, you put on the yarmulke and go in. If I'm invited to somebody's house where they're saying grace and they're not invoking words that I tend to use, I can just, like quietly put my head down and be respectful. I think sometimes we're shy to embrace other people's traditions because we think they're not what we practice. But I think it's not like they're asking me to take communion. (laughs) Body of Christ. Not that I'd be allowed to. Um, But I have no problem. I've never, you know, if someone's like Jesus, our Lord and Savior, blah, 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 and that's not my deal, like I I can still be respectful and say amen at the end. It doesn't really take away from me who I am or what I really believe. So I just believe honor the 
differences by respecting your friends and family and, you know, let them do what they've got to do. Yeah, it's tough. The holidays are tough, no doubt. That's why there's like the week after so you can recover from all the <laughs> from all, all the concessions you had to make <laughs> and all the relatives you have to deal with. Okay, one last question. This is a big one and it's an awesome one. It's kind of two. So Adam asked us, you know, he's dating someone new. She's super optimistic. I mean, Christmas loving and he's really anti-holiday. And actually Christopher also asked a similar question. They celebrate Christmas and he enjoys it, but he doesn't like the commercialism. It brings up bad memories. Like he loves the spirit and the giving and the music, but he doesn't really like Christmas trees and Santa Claus. And he wrote very specifically that he grew up in the projects without chimneys and without white folks and Santa was not in the cards. So I think he's got, you know, emotional connection that's really negative when it comes to Christmas, but he doesn't want to ruin it for his wife and his daughter either. Yeah. And actually a couple people asked us about this. It's interesting. It's like a divided Christmas celebration in the same home. Like it's not like two different families. It's one family together and how Mm -hmm. do you address it? And it's not even like a religious division. It's really like, I don't like Christmas. I don't like trees. I don't like giving gifts. I mean, this is a tough one because I think marriage and relationships and families are about compromise and finding the middle ground. First of all, you have to have a really open, good relationship with your partner so you can discuss this stuff openly. And I think you both have to give a little. If it's really, really important to your wife that your kid buys into the Santa thing, maybe you don't have to look at it like lying to your kid. Maybe you can see it as like the tooth fairy. It's magic and find a way to kind of embrace that. But maybe you say, but I'm not comfortable caroling, so let's do something else. I really think it's about compromise and then creating your own traditions you both feel good about. Yeah, absolutely. So working together, I mean, we all have our past. And I think I was talking to you about this, like the holidays bring out the best and oftentimes the worst, right? Like a lot of people have really tough memories at the holidays. You know, if you have family or you did have family and you don't, like there's just a lot of stress at the holidays. And so I feel like you need to come together and find new ways to celebrate that are new for both you and your spouse and whatever it is that you do love. Like he said, he loved the spirit, the giving, the music. Bring that to life in whatever your traditions are. And hopefully you can create new memories. I've had people in my family over the years and in my life who were really cynical or antagonistic or they didn't like the idea of lighting a menorah and they would like stomp around in the corner because, you know, religion is awful or whatever. And you know what? It ruined things for the rest of us. And I don't think that that's what anybody's trying to do. I think it's like just coming to terms with even though this isn't my thing, I'll take a deep breath and honor this tradition if it's a small one. And if it's something bigger, like a Christmas tree, which you really hate, I really think you're just going to have to work it out with your partner. And maybe you get a small tree. Like we once had like a little Charlie Brown tree (laughs) and put all the gifts like under the Charlie Brown tree. It was hilarious. It's about compromise on both sides, by the way. And I think also that there needs to be a level of understanding that if the one person is an over-celebrator and loves it, just because you aren't super into Christmas doesn't mean you don't love them. That's really You know good. what I mean? Like, that's just how we are. We might just not really get into Christmas. And so... Don't take it personally. Yeah, yeah. And here's the last thing I would suggest for Christopher specifically. You know, he talked about growing up in the projects where they didn't have Santa and chimneys and white books. Maybe there's a way to incorporate a positive give back component to your Christmas that lets you answer the letters to Santa from underprivileged kids that they send to the post office. Or maybe you can go to like old age homes in the neighborhood where you grew up and sing Christmas carols to the people there that don't have family, which is something I did once. So maybe there's a way that you can kind of help those people have it better than you had it. I know that's still emotionally charged, but that may help you kind of regain some control over the holiday and make you feel like it's something positive instead of something negative. I love that. What a great way to end. And of course, we would love to hear from everybody. If you still have more questions, I know we did not even get to all the questions that we got. Thank you to everyone who weighed in on Facebook and Twitter. And actually, we got some iMessages and some DMs. Thank you so much. If you do have more questions, you are welcome to let us know. Go to Twitter. You can tweet us at CoolMomPics. Use the hashtag SpawnShow. Head over to Facebook. Or if you just want to keep it on the down low and you want to be anonymous, that's cool too. Email us spawned at coolmompics.com. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us for another Spawned with Kristen and Liz. This was a fun one. I'm yeah. Glad you joined us. Yes. And a huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. Thanks to you listeners for all your emails and tweets and comments. We really appreciate it. And hey, listen, if you can do one thing for us over the holiday season, subscribe to our podcast. That's right. You're listening right now. Hit subscribe. 
head over to iTunes, leave us a review, and make sure you download those episodes. Okay, wait. I know that was three things. Or as Mariah Carey <laughs> said, all I want for Christmas is a review. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Spawn, everyone. This is Liz. This is Kristen. Have a great Have day. Have a great day. <laughs>